And I know that the Lord gave me this for today because of this past week. So many things have happened this past week and from different people and just texting me and emailing me and giving me calls about things that are going on. And, and so um, I know that this is not only from God, but it, this is the right time to share it with you. And today uh, we're going to be talking about from the book of Habakkuk and also from Matthew. It's two different chapters if you want to turn there, Habakkuk, the first chapter, and Matthew, the 15th chapter. Um, I was um, back during when we were getting ready for our ladies' retreat. The Lord just started sharing some things with me, so I started writing it down and making notes. And then our retreat just went in a whole different direction, so I just put those notes back, and I sort of forgot about them. And then a few months ago, um, some really sweet people, they gave me a new Bible. It's really pretty. But the cool thing about this Bible is you can color in it. You can, like, doodle in it, and it's got, like, scripture, and you can just, that's, um, that you can, you know, just color it with pencils or pens, colored pens. And so I was doing that one day because I really like to do that. I color with my grandkids all the time, and we usually color, like, you know, Cinderella or Jake and the Neverland Pirates or something. But this was, like, actually something I could really get into. And I was coloring one day, and I was coloring in the book of Habakkuk. And I thought, I got to thinking about it, because I really identify with him. I mean, my name's Deva. Nobody's ever heard that name. His name's Habakkuk. Nobody's ever heard that name. So I really, you know, I felt his pain. I knew, you know, how it was to grow up with a name um, that nobody's ever heard. And um, so I was coloring, and I was I was reading, and the reason I chose that was because this scripture, I've heard it all my life, and I'm, I've used it many, many times in Habakkuk. It's, in, it's the very last scripture in the book of Habakkuk. There's only three chapters in Habakkuk, so it's the very last scripture. And so I was, I was coloring it, and it just simply says, The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me to walk upon my high places. And I like that. No matter what I'm going through, God is going to take care of me, and he's going to make me walk up on my high places. That, that makes me, um, it reminds me of like when God told the, um, the Israelites that they could take the promised land. He said, everywhere you put the sole of your feet, I'm going to give it to you. And, and so I was, I was really into that. And then all of a sudden, I noticed how that chapter starts out. The first chapter. That's the third chapter, the last chapter. This is how it starts out. The first, uh, the first chapter, he, Habakkuk's talking, and he's talking to God, and this is what he says. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen, or cry out to you violence, and you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice, and why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction, violence are before me, and there is strife and conflict. The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. And the wicked are hemmed in so that justice is perverted. And I thought, wow, that's kind of like where we live today. He must be watching Fox News or something because that's the way I feel. Everything that's good is bad and everything that's bad is now good. And everything that was, used to be wrong, it's right. And justice never prevails. And, and wickedness is just growing mightily and and. And so Habakkuk here, he, he I, you know, sin is nothing new. It's been around. There's nothing new under the sun. And he, but here's Habakkuk, and he is actually, 
He's ranting at God. You ever had a rant? You put it on Facebook. I see that all the time. People, they'll put, you know, about slow drivers or somebody at Walmart won't move their buggy or something, you know. And so you go on Facebook and you put a rant on there and then you say, rant over. Well, here's Habakkuk. And he is ranting at God. He is angry with God because God is doing nothing about all the things that are going on around him. And, you know, I thought, um, I, I read a little bit about Habakkuk, and he's, um, he's really upset because, you know, Israel, that, that's God's people, and he's promised to send them deliverance, and he's doing nothing for them. They're being, the Babylonians have, uh, you know, have, are ruling over them, and, and God's doing nothing. They're just, he's silent, and, and the people are crying out, and God's doing nothing. And Habakkuk is really upset about it. And um, as I read that, I thought, that is, that, that is, that's something. Because the last, chat, the last verse, he's, he's worshiping. He's saying, I will joy in the salvation of my Lord. God is my strength. He will make my feet to be on high places. And I thought, well, he starts out in chapter 1, and he's having this rant, and he's really mad at God, and he's upset, and it looks like he's losing faith. And then... I thought chapter two must be a doozy because that is a huge mood swing, you know, going from just being extremely angry to rejoicing in the Lord in three chapters. But that reminded me of another uh, place in the Bible where God was silent, and it's um, in Matthew. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be upfront with you. This story really is not one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It hasn't been. It, it, it's becoming one of my favorite. As a matter of fact, this week it's pretty much been my favorite. And it's not because it just so messed with my view of Jesus, of how I see Jesus. I see Jesus as just this very compassionate, reaching, reaching for us, full of grace God that would never, ever turn his back on us. And, I, and in this particular story, I don't know, it kind of messes with my view of him a little bit. But the more I read it, the more the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and tell me things about it. And I believe that some of these things are for some of you sitting here today. I believe that. It's, um, this story is also, this account is also in the book of Mark in the seventh chapter. And so if I say something that's not exactly on the screen, it's because I kind of went back and forth. But it starts out in the 21st verse, and it says, And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O God, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, this, this is the way I see this. When I, I, I get pictures in my mind when I study the Bible. And so I see, I read in Mark about how they were trying to move Jesus out away from the people. And he went into a house and they were trying to hide him. And then, um, and, and in my mind, I see this woman, maybe she hears, maybe she hears people talking. Hey, did you see him? Do you know who he was? He claims to be the Son of God. And he claims to be the one that God has sent to deliver, deliver Israel. And, and he has done mighty things. He has raised people from the dead. He has cast out devils. He has fed multitudes of people with just a small amount of food. He has healed the sick and, and the blind people and the crippled people have been walking. And maybe she heard that and she thought, there's my answer. Because this woman was fighting the very devil. I looked up that word grievously, and it said outrageously, atrociously. She, she just didn't have a stubborn kid at home. She just didn't have one of them strong-willed children at home. She had a, a daughter that was possessed 
outrageously, atrociously with the devil. She was fighting hell itself inside her home, and she was desperate. She said, I have to find some, some cure, some answer for this. And when she heard that, I believe she sought after him. And it says that um, she, went and she cried out to him, and she said, my daughter is vexed with the devil. And then that next verse is where it really messes me up because Jesus, it says that he answered her, not a word. Just kind of like Habakkuk thought, God, you're so silent. Here I am, all this turmoil and all this grief and all this pain and all this hurt and all this sin, and you're doing nothing. You are so silent. And that just messed with, because you know, you would, the Jesus I know would reach out to her and he would comfort her, but it said he just ignored her. He, he didn't say anything to her. You know, um, I don't know how she thought that would work. I think she probably thought, I'll go in, I'll make my request, he'll answer my prayer, I'll go home, and I'll live a very rosy life from here on out. And that's the way we get sometimes, and that's where I get messed up, because I'm, I'm talking to David this morning, too, because if you know me, you know I'm the person that says, oh... Woe is me. I'm, I'm the one that worries and wrings my hand. And Rick's the positive one in the family. He's the one that says yes. And I'm the one that says, well, wait a minute. You know, so, so I'm talking to me this morning too. But I, and I'm sure that's how she thought it was going to work out, that if he had done all this for all these people, that surely he would do that for her because this was her child she was talking about. And then it says, and his disciples came, and they besought him, saying, send her away. She cries after us. you got to love the disciples. I mean, and I could stay here a real long time, and I could talk about how we need to minister to one another, because apparently she was even trying to get their help. It says, they said, she's crying after us. Do something with her. She's getting on my last nerve. Do something. And... You know, sometimes when people ask us to help them with their problems, and we think it, that, that's not a problem. To them, it's a problem. And when you say, I'm going to pray for you, do that. Pray for them. Remember them. Don't just let that be words that come out of your mouth because that's what we're here for is to encourage one another and to lift each other up and to pray for each other. And, but, the, but the disciples, they just said, get rid of her, Jesus. And, you know, that did not deter her. She just kept pursuing it. She just kept crying out. She didn't care who, what anybody else was saying. Sometimes we get our mind on what other people's going to think. People in the world, if we start, you know, acting all full of faith, boy, the world's going to think we're really crazy. Let me remind you, we are not of this world. We have a home, an eternal home. We need to start thinking about things eternally. And, um, but she, it, didn't, it didn't discourage her. She just kept reaching for him and, and, and pursuing him. And then it says um, that he answered her and said, I am not sent but unto the sheep of the house of Israel. Well, first of all, he ignored her. And then the disciples, they said, please get rid of her. And now he's telling her that I really didn't come to deliver you. That's basically what he's saying because we know that, that God sent his son to deliver Israel. And that was before he, Calvary. And now we were all just adopted into the family. But this was before. And he said, I really didn't come to help you. I really didn't come to minister to you. And 
I, I, that probably just had to really mess up her plan. You see, I always have a plan when something goes wrong in my life. And when I pray about it, I usually let God in on that plan. And as a matter of fact, I really like it when he follows my plan. When it's like, God, this is really bad, and this is what I need you to do. I need you to do this and this. And then if you'll do this, then it'll work out fine, God, if you'll just do this. And you know what? God almost never, ever follows my plan. He just, he's just like that. I don't think he likes my advice because I get all worried. Well, maybe, God, you might mess this up. You might not be as faithful as this word says you are. And I get all worried about it, so I start figuring it out for him. But God does not have to follow my plan. The Bible says that he had a plan for my life before I was ever formed in my mother's womb. And it's a plan for good and not for evil, and so I'm just going to trust him. That's what he wants us to do. And so he wasn't following her plan. I'm sure this is not how it was working out for her. I am, I am positive that when she came in and all this started happening, I'm sure she thought, oh, no, this is not working out. It's not like anything like the people said it was going to be. They said that he was just doing miracles left and right and that, and that uh, people that were grievously vexed with demons were, were being delivered. And this is not working out like I think it ought to work out. But she wasn't deterred. She wasn't discouraged. She just kept reaching for him. She kept pursuing him and asking him. And then um, she did something that just really blows my mind. And this is where I want to spend a little time. It says she worshipped him. She worshipped him before she ever received the answer, before anything ever happened, before he ever even acknowledged her. She worshipped him. I wondered why she did that. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, well, I think probably because she thought, if you are who you say you are, if you are the Son of God, the living God, the sovereign God, if that's who you are, my circumstances don't have anything to do with you. They don't make you any smaller. They don't make you any less powerful. My circumstances do not, do not belittle you in any way, and you deserve my worship. You deserve my praise. And it's hard to worship when you're in the dark and God is silent and nobody is there to help you and nobody is there to talk with you and encourage you and you're all alone and, every, and God is so far away and it seems like your prayers are not getting through. It is so easy to just shut down. And I want to talk to you about that because we're talking about truth in this series. And it's only the truth that sets us free. And I want to be free today. I don't want all these things hanging on me like Pastor talked about last week. I want, to, I want to know the truth. I want to expose Satan and how he works. And that's exactly how he works. He wants to shut you down. He wants to shut down not only your worship. He wants to make it hard to pray. It's hard to pray. Sometimes when we are so burdened, I don't, I've had times before when I was so burdened and I had such a huge problem that I didn't want to pray because you know what? I didn't want to think about that problem. I didn't want to actually... I would just say, like, God, you know the problem. Fix it. And I didn't want to dwell on it. And, it. and it was like I was pushed down, and I couldn't pray, and it felt like God didn't hear what I was saying anyway, so it really didn't matter. And, and my goodness, I, I certainly couldn't worship. I, I couldn't worship. And, and we're like that. We come in here, just like Pastor talked the other week, about we come in here, and we have all this stuff hanging on us. I want to tell you something. It don't matter what you went through last week. He is worthy of our praise. When this band comes up here or this 
praise worship team comes up here and they start to sing. I just, I can't help but worship. I don't know if you can see over here, but I believe that if I had a trampoline, I would just get on it and just bounce up and down, up and down as high as I could. Because when I think about what I'm singing about, it doesn't matter what happened to me last week. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. He is so worthy. He has delivered me. I have a home in heaven. I, I, I don't have to spend eternity in hell and I will forever worship him. But sometimes we let the enemy just shut us down. When we have a problem, when days are dark, we just seclude ourselves. And, and I'm not saying anything about getting alone. But when you get alone, you better take the Lord with you. Don't just get alone with yourself because you know who's going to show up. The devil's going to show up and he's going to tell you how big your problem is and how small your God is. And you're, he's going to take you down. Don't, don't, don't seclude yourself. And I think that when we are in our deepest, darkest troubles, when we need all these people around us out here, we need all of you coming together and lifting each other up. We need to, we need to serve when we're going through the dark times. That's really hard. Oh, I can't pray. I can't, I can't even read the Word. And, and I can't worship. And, and Lord, for, God forbid, I can't come to church today. And, and I can't serve. I can't do anything for anybody else because I am in such a bad fix. I have just been, I am so depressed. I am so, I am going through. Let me tell you something. If the devil finds out that all it takes is a problem to shut you down, to keep you from your purpose, to keep you from doing what God's called you to do and affecting other people for God's glory, then you're always going to have a problem. You're always going to have something if you let it shut you down. Um, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, I heard this preacher, and he was talking, and he was actually talking about the reasons people don't come to church, the excuses they use to not come to church. And he said one of them was that this lady said, oh, she said, well, my kids were just so bad last week. They were just, oh, they're on my last nerve all week long, and, and I just couldn't get up and get to church on Sunday. And he was talking about just what a ridiculous excuse that was. And I thought to myself, they're going to be bad this coming week too. <laughs> because the devil won that fight. He, he won that battle. You think they were bad last week? You just wait till this week. You just wait to see how they act this week. You can't let him shut you down like that. Or he'll do it every day. He'll do it every week. You think your problem's bad this past week? Wait till next week. It'll get worse because he does not want you to be who God called you to be. And he don't want you to serve. And he don't want you to be in a, he wants you to be in a problem. And he wants the whole world to see how bad your problem is and that your God is doing nothing. But the world's watching you. Your children are watching you. They know if you um, are just making excuses for not serving and and helping and, and testifying and witnessing. They know that. And he'll shut you down every time. But I'm going to tell you something. Even on your worst day, you need to get up. You need to put on the armor of God. And you need to pick up the sword here and the shield of faith. And you need to just step out and do exactly what God called you to do that day. And let God worry about the problem. And let God worry about the situation. Seek the kingdom of heaven first. And everything else is added to you. And that's exactly what she was doing. That was, I think that's what she's, but I also think that when she got in his, her, his presence, when she actually saw him, I think it changed her. I, I mean, it's just hard to get in his presence and not be affected and not be changed. 
That's why it's so important to come to church and worship. Be in His presence and let Him change you because when you worship Him, He becomes so big. He becomes so awesome. And Satan becomes so small and your problem becomes so little. That little problem with that great big God, she was in His presence. It's important to stay close to Him, to stay in His presence. My sister, um, I love her. She is amazing, but she is one of the craziest people you ever met. She's not like me. You know, I'm a little bit quiet, and I, and, but she's loud. She's real loud and everything. And, and she lives in the country. Now, I say she lives in the country. She lives in Sylacauga, way out in the country. And the problem is she don't go out of the country too much. So when she, she knows we have service here at the Civic Center, and she just can't comprehend it. She'll say, Dava, have y'all got a building yet? And I'll say, no, not yet. What are y'all going to do? And she'll say, do you think, oh, do y'all set up? Every, I tell her how we set up. You know, there's people that put up the chairs and all the equipment and everything. Oh, I just can't believe y'all do that every single week. Yeah, well, what are y'all going to do? And she asked me that not just once, but most of the time when I talk to her, she'll ask me about it because it concerns her. I, I don't know if she thinks we bring big stained glass windows in here or what, you know, because, you know, I don't understand. But it bothers me. You know what I tell her? We're just going to keep doing what God's called us to do. We're just going to keep getting up. We're going to keep setting up. We're going to keep worshiping and praising and testifying and preaching and, and sharing the gospel and inviting people and giving them coffee and giving them a big old smile when they come in. And one day, because we're doing God's work, He is going to provide what we need when we need it. And it just blows her mind. But if we thought about it, we think, well, you know what? That is, you're right, Linda. You're right. That is a lot of work. I want to tell you when serving and doing things like this is hard. I mean, it just flat out stinks. That's when you forget who you're serving. When you remember who you're serving, this is easy. When you remember that, hey, I don't set up chairs or fix coffee or, or I don't practice all week and, um, for new songs and, and get up here at the crack of dawn on Sunday morning and set up and worship for worship. I don't do that for anybody but him. He said, when you've done it to the least of these, when you serve these people, you've done it to me. Never forget who you serve because when you remember who you serve, I mean... You know, the, I, I'll just go ahead and be truthful here since we're talking about truth. You know, sometimes I get tired of cleaning up my house so we can have a small group at my house all the time. I do. My house is not always clean. I have three grandchildren that I like to spend a lot of time with, and they're not very neat people. And I get tired of making strawberry cakes because I don't even like to eat them. I definitely don't need to eat them, but I don't really like them. But when I think about who I do it for. When I think about what he's done for me, when I think about all he's going to do for me, how he's touched my family and brought my, Rick testifies all the time about how blessed we are. I'll make a dozen strawberry cakes because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. And he's deserving of every amount of worship of any kind that I have. And I got to move on. But do something for others. And I, I just go ahead and take my time. There's a serve wall back there. If you want, if your kids are not where they need to be, go back there and get one of those little kids, those little magnets, and take it home and put it on your refrigerator and pray for that child that you don't even know and say, God, I'm doing this in faith. 
that I'm going to pray for this child and you're going to answer my prayer. You're going to bring my kids home. You're going to bring them back to you. If you're having financial problems, put 10 or $15 in an envelope and mark on their kids' shoes because we're getting money together for kids that don't have winter shoes. And, and if you're having plant a seed, my goodness, let's give God something to work with. Um, but then, let me get back to where I was. But then he answered and he said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. What he's saying is it's not, it's not right to take away from Israel the miracles and the power that I have for them and give it to a Gentile. He's saying, and when I read that, I thought, that was kind of rude, Jesus. Because if I'm reading that right, I think you just called her a dog. And like I said, that so messes with my view of Jesus. He would never, ever do that. And it was like the Holy Spirit just said, quit worrying about what I'm doing. Look at what she's doing. And that's where I get messed up. Instead of worrying about what I do, I'm always worried about what he's not going to do. I'm, he might not work this. You know what? He might not be just as faithful as I always thought he was. Quit worrying about what he's doing. Look at what she's doing. She's, she's pursuing him. She's worshiping him. She's relentless toward him. And I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. My Bible says that God is good. He does good. And he works everything out for our good. And so I'm not, I don't need to worry about what God's going to do. He's going to do the right thing. Every single time, God's going to do the right thing. And I'm going to hurry here. Uh, and then another thing, this is another thing that really got me about that. When he said that uh, he couldn't, it was like taking bread and casting it to the dogs. She was not offended. Offense. You see, we would have been offended not only at the church and people. We'd have been offended at God, or I would have been. And how many times do we find people that, have, that are like that? They've, they've fallen out with God because God didn't do something exactly like they thought he ought to do it. He just didn't hear me. He just didn't answer right, and we get offended. I want to tell you something about offense. I'm going to tell you the truth about it. It's a trap. And if you can fall into that trap, then the devil's won. Because he'll get you all tangled up in that. And all that self-pity and all that. Look, I'm the pastor's wife. I know what it's like to be offended. We've been pastoring for over 30 years. Or close to about 30 years. We've been in ministry over 30 years. And I know what it's like to have somebody say something you don't want to hear. Say something about your husband. Say something about your children. Say something about something you did or something that happened. And, and you know what? I had to decide a long time ago, I'm not going to be offended. I will not fall into that trap. Now, I'm not saying that I haven't at times. I have. I've had my feelings hurt right good sometimes, and I've pouted about it for a real long time. But eventually, you just have to shake that off and say, I will not be offended. It is a trap. And whatever somebody said or whatever somebody did or whatever, or even God, if it's not even exactly like I thought, he should have worked it out. He's still right, and he's still worthy, and he's still who he says he is. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into it and be offended. And then it says that when he told her that, that when he told her that he couldn't um, take the meat and give it to the dogs, she said this. She said, yes, Lord. One version says she says, truth, Lord. She agreed with him. 
She said, but the dogs eat the crumbs which have fallen from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. And be it unto thee, even as thou will be, your daughter is made whole from this very hour. That just blew my mind. She agreed with him. And Jesus said, that's good. There, there's your daughter's made whole. She agreed with him. I thought about that. I thought, what, what about that made her full of faith? What about that made her that she said, yeah, but even little dogs get, to get the crumbs that drop on the floor, that the children drop on the floor. You need to come to my house sometimes after Colin eats. There's a whole bunch of crumbs. They was at my house last night. I swept the floor three times. There's a whole bunch of crumbs. And you know what I think? I think she thought, if you're who you say you are, if you're the son of God, if you are the, the king of glory, if you are exactly who you say you are, I'll just take that crumb. I'll just take that little crumb because just a little crumb, if you're who you say you are, just a little crumb will defeat the devil every single time. This little crumb, I'll just take it because if that's what you give me, that little bit of your power, it'll, it'll defeat the enemy. And you know what? She was right. It, it did. From that very moment, he said her daughter was made whole. You see, this is where I get messed up. I get in a problem. I get in a situation, and it looks dark, and it looks bleak, and it looks like there's no hope. And I get my eye and my ears open to what he's saying, what the devil's saying. And I forget how big God is and that the enemy's defeated at Calvary. He was defeated in that. I think Christine Kane said it best. She said, the last time I looked, the devil was small enough to fit under my feet. And my God, he fills the universe. Be encouraged. And that's what we need to do. We need to stop worrying and thinking and meditating and listening to what the enemy says. And we start looking at what he's doing, what he's done. Today, when you leave here today and you go outside, look up in the sky. Look at the clouds. Look at the trees. Look how Yesterday was a beautiful day. It was kind of a little cool this morning when I came in, but it was a beautiful day. When you go out there, you remember this, that that used to be darkness. That used to be empty and void, and the power and the Holy Spirit of God hovered over it, and God spoke into it, and now everything you see came from chaos because of Him. And that same God, that same Holy Spirit, He hovers over you. He lives in you. God speaks into your life, and your chaos, He can handle it. He can handle it with just that little bit, that little crumb. And so her daughter was made whole from that very moment on, and guess what? I got good news. We don't get a crumb. You and I don't get a crumb. We, we have been adopted into the family. We're his children. And guess what? We get to pull right up to the table and we get to eat everything that he puts out on the table. We don't get just a crumb. We have all the power of the Holy Spirit, all the armor of God, all the power that's in this word, the power that's in the blood of Jesus, the power of our testimonies, and we are overcomers. And we don't just get a little crumb, but we are part of his family. We get to pull up to the table. All we have to do is call his name and that song we sing sometimes around here, it says he brings his kingdom, his whole kingdom, and stands by our side. Don't be discouraged. I don't care how dark it is in the, where you're at right now. Be encouraged. And don't give up. Don't be relentless. Hold on to him. Pursue him. Worship him. Praise him. Don't let the enemy shut you down. And I hadn't forgot about Habakkuk. He's over here, and he's still reigning at God. But um, 
that in the fifth verse of the first book of Habakkuk, God begins to speak to him. God has been silent. God is not doing anything. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, look among the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Say that, utterly amazed. About this time last year, I was praying about something, something really huge, and um, it looked like God was doing nothing. And one day, I, I got a little upset with God. I was kind of like Habakkuk. And I, you know, just, you know, I just said, I just said, okay, God, if that's the way you want it, just leave it like that. It'll be okay with me. It's really no skin off my back, God, because the, the situation really wasn't totally about me. It was about somebody else. And I said, just, you know, it's no skin off my back, God. If that's the way you want it, just leave it like that. And I opened up my computer, and one of my sweet friends here had sent me this scripture. Be utterly amazed, for I will work a work in your days, and you would not believe it, even though I told it to you. Be utterly amazed. Sometimes God probably don't tell us anything because we don't believe it. I mean, he gave us a whole Bible here full of promises, and half the time we can't even keep focused and keep our faith in that. But he's telling Habakkuk, be utterly amazed. You know who he's talking about in that scripture? He's talking about Jesus. I'm crafting something. I'm putting something together, a plan so amazing that you wouldn't even believe it, Habakkuk, if I told you about it. You would not. You couldn't even comprehend it. It's so amazing. And some of you right now sitting in this building, you're going through just the same thing that Habakkuk was. Something dark, something desperate. Maybe you're like that girl. Maybe it's that woman. Maybe it's atrociously, outrageously hard. And I just feel like God wanted me to tell you that when it feels like God is doing nothing in your life, He is crafting something he is putting something together that is so amazing that if he told you about it, you couldn't even believe it. Stand with me. We always close around the front, and today's no different. I want you to come on and let's gather around the front. And I want to tell you one more thing about Habakkuk. In a minute, Jamie and the worship team, they're going to come. I want to tell you one more thing about Habakkuk. In chapter 2, God and Habakkuk are, are kind of having this little conversation. And in chapter 2, God tells him that the just shall live by faith. And so I was wondering, what brought Habakkuk from just ranting at God to all of a sudden worshiping God. And I realized after reading that, that he just decided that God is who he says he is. And my problem is not out of his control. My situation is not too big and not too hard, and he is still just as faithful today as he's ever been. And he just decided that. And then he, and then he was able to worship. I want you to listen to what it says in, the, in the, uh, Habakkuk, the last chapter right before uh, he starts rejoicing in the Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, though the fruit may not be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the stall. He's saying, everything's bad. Nothing's happening. Then he says this word, yet. Yet. 
Say that word, yet, yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high places. I have one more truth to tell you. That God has not forgotten you. And the truth is that that the power that's in this word is greater than anything you're going through. That's the truth. The truth that's in this word is more powerful than the facts of your circumstances. And this is the dare. This week, no matter what you're going through, live like that. Live like this word is more powerful than whatever circumstance you're going through. His word is more powerful. Jamie's going to sing. We're going to pray. And these people up here are here to pray with you. And you know what I've noticed about our praise team is that... I mean, our prayer team, they're just people like you that have walked in the darkness. They've been in the silence. And they know what it's like to to just have to keep hanging on to God. But I bet you every one of them could tell you he's faithful. He, He won't leave you in the darkness. He won't leave you in the silence. He has a plan. And he's working and crafting and doing something amazing. Even though you don't understand it and you can't see it, God is working on it and he's crafting it. Father, I love you today.